tonight I want to speak to you as individuals uh, because all of us as individuals have responsibilities in God's word. Please turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. I've been preaching for quite some time and I always try to be positive in my preaching. I like to be positive about the church. Sometimes we have to face reality. And uh, that's something I want us to do tonight. The headline in the Christian Chronicle back in April of the year 2015 is about the decline of the church in the 21st century America. Recently, statistics came out that showed that the churches of Christ are losing one congregation about every six days on average. Many congregations are either closing their doors or they're merging with neighboring congregations or else some are even compromising their beliefs in order to try to gain new members. These tactics all fail because the cause of the decline stems from a lack of loyalty and devotion to God and a lack of an intense desire to save the lost. I'm convinced that if we as Christian soldiers will put on the whole armor of Christ, battle against Satan, we can turn that tide immediately. I wonder if the Lord can say of many Christians today what he did to the church at Ephesus in Revelation 2 and verse 4. He said, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Do we still have the same zeal and determination to live for Christ that we had immediately after we were baptized? Do we still carry the same desire and love for saving the lost? Do we pray as fervently and as forcefully as we once did? We all need to recognize the need to rise to the challenge that Satan has put before us. Some may be asking, well, what can I as an individual do? Well, I want us to look back at a time when four lepers came together to save the kingdom. You'll notice in 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 24, Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, gathered all of his army and went up and besieged Samaria. Verse 25 says, there was a great famine in Samaria. And it tells us that a donkey's head sold for 80 shekels of silver and about a pint of dove droppings sold for five shekels of silver. We complain about $3 a gallon gas. I don't know. I, want, I don't know if I want to know what they would do with a donkey's head. Nor do I want to think about what they did with a pint of dove, dove droppings. But in verse 26, a woman cried out to the king of Israel for help. And her complaint that she had was shocking. We read in verses 28 and 29, Then the king said to her, What is troubling you? 
And she answered, This woman said to me, Give me your son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him, and I said to her the next day, Give your son that we may eat him, but she has hidden her son. If that doesn't make you sick to your stomach, I don't know what would. But this helps to illustrate the severity of the famine. To say that the king was upset is a gross understatement. But the king blamed Elisha for the plight. And so he swore vengeance on him. Notice in verse 31, the king said, God do to me, so to me and more also if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on him today. He was determined to have his head cut off that very day. It was not Elisha's sin that brought about the tragic condition in Israel. It was the sins of the people turning against God. And so God was punishing them for their sinfulness. But we'll see in our text that four lepers aroused were aroused to save this city. In 2 Kings chapter 7, it begins talking about a measure, and I tried to do some research and find out exactly how much that was. I couldn't really find out, but some scholars, according to some scholars, Elisha proclaimed that tomorrow about somewhere around seven quarts of fine flour would sell for one shekel, and about 14 quarts of barley would sell for one shekel at the gate of Samaria. What a drastic change from the head of a donkey costing 80 shekels and a pint of dove droppings costing five shekels to this. Well, the people no doubt scoffed at this prediction. They thought that all hope was gone. An officer of the king said in verse 2 of 2 Samuel 7, Look, if he would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And Elisha said to him confidently, In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. And then we learn in verse 3 that there were four, or four lepers, men at the gate, entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? And I think that's a question that every one of us ought to ask ourselves. If we are in fact losing one congregation about every six days, why are we sitting here until we die? Notice verse four. The leopard said, the leper said, if we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we shall die also. Now therefore come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. The whole nation was starving to death. There was little hope that things would improve. And imagine in, in a, a, a situation like that where there's a famine, who's going to be the first ones to starve to death? 
Well, obviously it would be those who are begging already. And yet, it was these four leprous men, beggars, who were the first ones to decide that they were going to do something. It seemed like they didn't have as much to live for as everyone else, but they were the ones that would lead the fight for freedom. They had three choices. They said, well, we could go into the city, but people don't have enough for themselves, so we're gonna die if we go in the city. We could stay here near the gate, begging, but people aren't gonna give us anything, so we're gonna die here. But you know, if we went and surrendered to the Syrians, they could kill us, which might be better than starving to death, but they might even keep us alive. But that seemed to be their only hope, and so they decided to do what they could. But when we put God in the picture, there are no helpless situations. Their motive was a deep-rooted hunger. It seemed like very small hope, but they decided that they would give it a try. Most people would have thought, they're the ones that are the most hopeless. But they were the ones that brought the rescue. Notice verse 5. They rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians, and when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. See, because they were willing to act, God acted with and for them. Look at verse 6. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. And so they fled for their very lives. They left everything in their tents and ran away. Now, shortly before this, back in chapter 6, the city was surrounded by what the Bible refers to as a great Syrian army with horses and chariots. And Elisha said in verse 16 of 2 Kings 6, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, leaving that there for just a moment, we are asked in Romans 6, 8 and verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And we're promised in 1 John 4 and verse 4, your God, little children, have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Well, the Syrians had deserted their camp, leaving it intact. They left their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and they fled for their very lives, verse 7. And verse 8 says that when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried some from there also and went and hid it. Now, I've spent a few nights in a tent before, but it wasn't anything like the tents they were in. They had all kinds of things in their tent, gold, silver, 
nice clothing, food, anything you'd want. These lepers found it. They were going to keep it for themselves, but they were men of compassion and they had a conscience. So in verse nine, then they said to one another, we are not doing what is right. This day is a day of good news and we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. You see, they recognized that they had the words of salvation. So they went into the city to tell all the people what they had found. Well, the people in Samaria were skeptical at first. They were assuming that the Syrians had set a trap for them. If they went out there, they would certainly be killed. Notice verses 14 and 15 of 2 Kings 7. Therefore, they took two chariots with horsemen, with horses, and the king sent them in the direction of the Syrian army, saying, go and see. And they went after them to the Jordan, and indeed, all the road was full of garments and weapons which the Syrians had thrown away in their haste. So the messengers returned and told the king, and so they went out and they discovered that everything was just as had been told by these lepers. And when they found that out, verse 18 says, then the people went out and plundered the tents of the Syrians. Now, what was the result of that? Well, just as Elisha had stated, seven quarts of fine flour sold for one shekel, 14 quarts of barley sold for one ship. In verse 17, we find that the officer of the king who had scoffed at what Elisha had said was a man that they put in charge of keeping the gate. The people were so anxious to get food, they trampled him in the stampede and he died. And so he did not eat of it. He saw it. But he didn't eat of it just as Elisha had prophesied. We need to consider carefully what these lepers did to save Samaria. Just as Israel was besieged by Syria, Christians today are besieged by the forces of Satan. But as Christians, we have the words of deliverance. This is a spiritual disease but it's no less real. Peter warns us in 1 Peter 5 and verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We need to always be on the alert because we're in an all-out war. Satan is going to do everything in his power to try to destroy the church. We live in a terrible famine. It's not a famine like the one that they faced. It's a spiritual famine. Amos wrote in Amos 8 and verse 11, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread nor of thirst for water, but of hearing the word of the Lord. We are living in such a famine. There are multiplied millions who have never heard 
the gospel of Christ. The world is starving for the gospel. And we have what they need, just like the lepers had what the people at that time needed. And it's important to take the gospel to places where we cannot go. And I, again, commend the congregation here for doing that very thing. So we have relatives and neighbors and friends all around us who are starving from spiritual malnutrition. So many people all around us are lusting after worldly things. And they are sacrificing the souls of their children as they do so. Many are allowing their homes to become cesspools of TV and internet sewage. They become a daily diet in their lives. Parents are allowing not only their children, but themselves to be fed with things much worse than the head of a donkey or bird droppings. The question is, do we have the spiritual aggressiveness and determination to meet the challenge of Satan? God has given us a great commission to go into all the world, to go to every nation, to preach the gospel to every creature, including those around us. And he promises us that if we will do that, he will be with us even to the end of time. It's time for us to act upon that great commission. It was only when these lepers acted that Samaria was saved. The question is, Will we meet that challenge today? Surely we are not helpless in the threat of Satan and his forces. Again, God knows no helpless situations. God can increase our strength and give us a victory if we're willing to try. In Ephesians 3 and verse 20, Paul tells us that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. God has the power, but it's got to work in us and through us. We are his people. We're the ones that God has given his word to, to take the gospel to those who are lost. As was asked of Esther in, in Esther 4 and verse 14, who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Only eternity can determine how much we can accomplish if we will work and let God work in us and through us. Four lepers, hopeless, helpless lepers, saved Samaria. Christ gave the Great Commission, beginning with 12 apostles. They took the gospel and preached it to every creature under heaven. Colossians 1 and verse 33, 23. They did that in one generation. The lepers said to one another in 2 Kings 7 and verse 9, we are not doing what is right. 
This day is a day of good news, and we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go out and tell. That's what we need to do. We need to go out and tell the people around us. Romans 13, verse 11, Paul said, And do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to, to wake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we believed. The church is going to stop this decline. We must all recognize our responsibility to work and let God work through us. We can defeat Satan. Satan cannot defeat the church. He cannot do it. But we must be willing to work. In the words of four pitiful lepers, why are we sitting here until we die? In Matthew 9, verses 37 and 38, Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into his harvest. I hope that each one of us will determine that we will work harder, that we will encourage one another, that we will pray harder and more fervently, that God would give us the strength, the encouragement, and help us encourage each other to go out to those all around us and try to reach them with the gospel of Christ. Their souls are longing, but they may not even recognize what they need. We know what they need. God knows what they need. God loves each one of them as much as he loved each one of us when we were lost in sin. Christ died for the ungodly. He died for our neighbors that are starving to death. Will you make that determination tonight to do more in reaching out to those who are starving to death spiritually? Tonight, we do want to extend the invitation. If you have a need, if you would like to determine tonight that you need to be baptized, we'd be glad to assist you in that. If you need prayers for strength, if you're having burdens that need prayers to help bear, we'd be glad to help with that. Whatever you need, come now while we stand in this thing.